nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Welcome to Swansea Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, on Teachers Talk Radio. Tonight, we are talking about belonging. What does it mean to belong at school? What are the benefits of belonging for our students? And how do we develop a sense of belonging in our schools? Tune in, talk it out, off we go. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and welcome to The Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Now, tonight, as I said in the introduction, we're going to be talking about belonging and and this is going to cover a lot of different versions of that. I'd love to hear what you call it at your school. Sometimes here in Wales, we call it Kenevin. Sometimes I know in America, and I've tried to get into that a little bit, this idea of school spirit, of pep rallies, you know, what does it mean to feel you belong at school? And of course, what can we do then if it is beneficial? to belong and feel that sense of belonging if it is beneficial what can we do then at schools to engender that to to promote it within our schools now this has been uh, somewhat of a week-long obsession so far for me that i have been reading these research articles asking questions probing finding out trying to work out what it is i mean and, and what it is we mean as a as a collective uh to talk about belonging and talk about fitting in, you know, whatever your phraseology for it is, to discuss that. So I know the research, I'm going to share some of this research with you, some of the articles, some of the thinking, the psychology behind it, all of those things. Uh, I know some examples, but I'd love to hear them. If you are listening live, you know, this is early on in my, my, my research into this, and I think there's somewhere I want to go with this. So I'd love to hear your examples about what you're doing if you're listening live in the Podbean app, or if you're listening live across any of the platforms, uh, you can message us uh, either at TT Radio Official on Twitter, you can send those messages live in the chat in Podbean, of course, as well. And comment, share what you're doing, share what your thoughts are on belonging at school. Uh, personally, for me, it's been you know a mixed bag when I think about my own education. And that was shared through one of our Twitter polls. A lot of people talking about whether they felt a sense of belonging and, and, and whether they still felt a sense of belonging to their old school, to their alma mater, and, and how long that went on for. Now, as I say, when I first thought about this in my head, and we were talking about what does it mean to belong, in my head, first of all, it went to sports. And I was thinking about all of those things. Maybe it's because, you know, it's February, March, it's Six Nations, I'm thinking about those team colours. And I reflected on how many of our school metaphors uh, are 
about belonging are related in that way to sports, you know, about us being on the same team, even wearing the same clothes, you know, our uniform, our kit, we're all dressed the same, you know, even singing songs together, that collective uh, celebration as we do it. And it, it seems that that isn't uh, an unknown feature. You know, I point first to an article that I found from CNBC called Why Being a Sports Fan and Rooting for a Team is Good for You. This is from 2020 in July of that year. And Corey Steak, who, who wrote it, talked first of all about sports fandoms being more than just education and how they can boost your self-esteem and make you happier. Um, it goes on to quote a professor at Murray State University, Daniel Wan, talking about how being a sports fan can be very psychologically healthy activity for you um that being in that fandom fandom collects connects us to other people to to like-minded people and it satisfies a human need for belonging and that interested me and and you know they had my attention i was thinking right okay so this collective need that we have for attention that's um for 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 us to be together that's something that I maybe need to think about in my practice for my young people. Um, they go on to talk about things like these relationships being significant and people who identify as sports fans having higher levels of self-esteem, lower levels of loneliness and tend to be more satisfied with their lives compared to those who aren't interested in sports. And so I'm thinking, yes, this is something that I want to explore around the area of belonging. Now, if it is happening in sports, and as I say, you know, those collective activities that we are doing in sports, and maybe you're a sports fan, maybe you stand on the terraces watching football at the weekend, maybe you play on a sports team, but certainly lots of our younger people don't. Um, I didn't play team sports at school. I didn't go to watch football matches did that affect my sense of belonging in myself or to my community? And certainly when we reflect, and you know, I've, I've put this out there uh, to some of our listeners about this idea of pep rallies, that American version of school spirit. I wonder, you know, if you're listening in and any of your schools do do activities like that. And I'm talking about that classic kind of thing that you would see in uh, Hollywood movies and movies like Greece, where, you know, there are cheerleaders and mascots and, and they're jumping and cheering before a big game. That's not something I recognize from the UK school system. Maybe I'm wrong and I'd love to hear from people if I don't. Uh, but they go on to talk about how being a fan of a sports team. So this sense of belonging brings with it more social support, help and resources. And the research then uh, suggesting that the people have more support from their communities, they have better health as well. And that's something we've talked about in previous episodes of Teachers Talk Radio. So beyond the bonding and the fans get to enjoy the psychological benefits of winning, of sharing those positive moments with each other because they feel like they belong to each other. Uh, another uh, psychologist quoted in the article, Stephen Rayson from Texas University, goes as far as to say individuals feel that the fan interest, in this case a sports team, is part of them. So when the team is winning, you feel like you're winning even though you're not a player. That for me suggests that this, you know, I've started off looking into what it means to belong and I, as I say sports for me is where my mind went to maybe your mind when we talk about belonging goes somewhere different 
but it's where I started and it immediately flagged up some things that I wanted for my young people, perhaps you want for your young people as well, around safety, lower levels of loneliness, self-esteem, and what that can look like. Uh, my next question led me into what was happening here, the psychology of it. And, you know, for me, it's not an area I studied, perhaps you have. So straight away, I'm looking for some help. And the help here came from Sal McLeod at Simply Psychology uh, with an article on the social identity theory. They suggested that, uh, that Henry Tajfel's greatest contribution to psychology was social identity theory. This is back in 1979, and they pr proposed that groups of social class, family, football teams, etc., which people belong to were an important source of pride and self-esteem. And these groups giving us a sense of social identity, a sense of belonging in the social world. It helped us divide the world into them and us based on this process, social categorization, and went so far as to propose that stereotyping uh, you know, is based on a normal cognitive process as part of this. They had a tendency to group things together into this us and them. Uh, and we just happen to do so by exaggerating the differences and the similarities between those groups. Now, they went on to say through this and through the social identity theory uh, that the levels that we talk to take three mental processes as we go through. And the first is categorization. You know, we categorize objects, uh, we order them to understand them and identify them in a, in a very simple way. We categorize people as well, including ourselves, in order to better understand our social environment. And I see that happening with young people at school. And I, that is something that I recognize. And I think that's going to play an important part as my thinking develops of how we get children to see are they part of us, are they part of them. Um, they go on to suggest that social identification, the second stage of this, is where we adopt the identity of the group we've chosen for ourselves. We define the appropriate behaviour with references to the norms of the group around us. And you can only do that if you belong to the group and you can tell who else belongs to the group. And this is the part where I definitely recognise this for us as educators. When new children join your school, when new uh, children move between classes, or maybe if you're primary, when they move from one class into your class, uh, they look around and are they copying the behaviours? Are they falling into those social norms of what is around them? Are they forming part of the group? Certainly last week when we were talking about behaviour and, you know, the potential riots, group behaviour is something that I feel was certainly not paid a great of uh, time to on my teacher training and my understanding of group dynamics and how they work. So of course, we all talk about, you know, our seating plans and our table groups and all of those things, but never really looking at how that group identity forms and what that means to us. And so, as I say, as we move later on, that, again, is an important part to me. Now, the final part of this stage of uh, social identity theory suggests that there's social comparison. And this is the part that worried me the most, particularly in my um, sports metaphor that I was comparing to earlier, this idea that we are comparing us and them and that we have to form an us and them, an in-group and an out-group 
to belong. And this is the part where, you know, do we need competition between schools? Does there need to be us and them for belonging to happen? And this will be my big question throughout, because if we are talking about belonging as belonging happens with sports, as belonging happens with teams, then there is an us and them, and there is a competitive element to it, which worries me. Now, I'd love to know if you're listening live, if you're listening back, you know, tweet your answers to me. But is there, is there an element of competitiveness at your school that forms part of your school identity? Do you compete as a group with the school down the road and I I guess I'm talking beyond school sports but if you do have school sports rivalries I'd be really interested in that as well and how does that help foster because my early reading of the, the the initial stages of social identity theory suggests that that needs to happen and it is something that I may be uncomfortable with maybe you're not maybe you think that that's okay and that's normal we need to have that kind of competition us and them uh, within our schools for me it it worried me as we we went through it led me on to this idea back into sports psychology of what it means to belong what what does belonging look like and I went to an article from headstrong mindset um, and it was called a team culture of belonging versus fitting in and this again led me to some really interesting thoughts of what we mean. What do you mean when you say that someone belongs at your school? Is it that they just follow all the expectations? Are we gauging it from young people of what that means to belong? This article says there's a subtle but critical difference between a culture of belonging and fitting in. Creating a team culture of belonging is key to, in their sense, is that, you know, we're talking sports psychology here of melding a roster of over a dozen unique individuals into a single team with a shared sense of identity and purpose maybe I've gone down the wrong route I'd love to know do you see belonging at your school as a sports metaphor um they go on to say that the culture of belonging starts with a belief that every member of the team has an essential role to play Uh, Finding and utilising unique assets of each player on your team will optimise your team's potential. A culture of belonging celebrates each player's uniqueness. A fitting in culture, they compare it to, ostracises players who are different than the majority and forces assimilation. Assimilation is the process in which a minority group becomes to resemble or assume the values and behaviours of the dominant group. The consequence of assimilation is a loss of identity for the minority. And this was the crux for me when I hit upon this contradiction between fitting in, forced assimilation and belonging. Now, if we're saying that belonging is about celebrating uniqueness and we do some of those through some, you know, I certainly have heard of some examples through researching for this of schools where, you know, we're talking about having specific days, specific weeks where we are celebrating specific characteristics. All of those things schools are good at for a day or a week or a month, I would say, but certainly we are getting better at celebrating those uniqueness and making people feel welcome which is a part of belonging but the forced assimilation and in its most uh, progressive educational viewpoint I will take on this for now is what school uniform does is what 
you know, silent corridors do is what having structured answers and yes, sir, all of those things, hair, rules around haircuts. We're talking about forced assimilation. So I'd love to, uh, you know, hear from you as well. Is your school doing fitting it, belonging in the sense of celebrating uniqueness and what that unique person brings to the team? Or are they a culture of fitting in, which is uh, you need to be just like us or you will be ostracized and you will be forced out? Now, Brenny Brown, who talks a lot about this, and you may well have seen TED Talks and all kinds of videos uh, from her um, in her book, Braving the Wilderness, describes an interview she did with uh, Pete Carroll, an NFL coach for the Seattle Seahawks, um, talking about uh, belonging for teams. And he said, uh, there's no question that it's easier to manage a fitting culture. You set standards and rules. You lead by put up or shut up. But you miss real opportunities, especially helping your team members find purpose. When you push a fitting in culture, you miss the opportunity to help people find their personal drive, what's coming from their hearts. Leading for true belonging is about creating a culture that celebrates uniqueness. What serves leaders, leaders best is understanding your players' best efforts. My job as a leader is to identify their unique gift or contribution. A strong leader pulls players towards a deep belief self and there was so much in that quote so much that jumped out at me that I liked but also so much that as a classroom practitioner you know as a teacher I was thinking you know logistically how do I achieve this you know how do I find the time the space within what I have to do a very structured day you know in secondary as well moving between classes to celebrate that uniqueness to find that personal drive uh to make them feel like they belong and and certainly to me you know i don't know if it does to you sounds like um a contradiction that we are saying belonging as opposed to fitting belonging is about uniqueness and being different but fitting in is about assimilating and being the same and as i say you know when we move on to talk about the benefits in this and how exactly it fits in through some of the research that we know to schools and what we can do about it it's the belonging we're looking for and i think that is a you know a, ca a, a careful pitfall that we have to avoid to to see that we are aiming for belonging and not um fitting in uh, they go on to say that inclusion doesn't just feel good for teams it also impacts on their performance uh, stamina uh, of marginalized athletes when players experience exclusion within a team they tend to demonstrate lower levels of confidence team spirit motivation which ultimately results in burnout and they suggest that building a team culture of inclusion is the best way to retain talent now as i say that sounds wonderful you know if i'm running an nfl uh football team where all the players are doing something different and players will come and go and make their own choices as adults and in fact i'm probably playing them significant amounts of of money to do what i'm asking of them but the words around inclusion those words around inclusion uh are, are, are bits that stayed with me because for me inclusion is about uniqueness and belonging for me then i want to be about an inclusive version of belonging rather than a fitting in it led me back to psychology and 
an article by uh, Kellyanne Allen, who we, we will hear about later in a, in a meta-analysis uh, that was done across all of this research, but, you know, a very important name in the um, area of belonging um, for an article in uh, Psychology Today, talking about your sense of belonging in modern times, goes on to really explain, and for me, what belonging is. And she says that belonging is the subjective feeling of deep connection with social groups, physical places, individuals, and collective experiences. It's a basic human need that predicts a variety of mental, physical, social, economic, and behavioral consequences. Now, I'm going to pull back for a second to that first sentence about a deep connection, because in sports so far, we've been talking about social groups. But when I ask teachers about their experiences at school and their sense of belonging to it, it was much more them talking about the physical place and a belonging, a sense of belonging to a physical place. When we talk about the Welsh curriculum and Cynethin, you know, we're talking about habitat, a place that you belong, not just the group. And we know that groups can change. But when I feel about my sense of belonging, and as I've said, I don't, you know, I'm, I didn't play for teams. I, I wasn't a team sports person necessarily. I have a sense of belonging to places. I know places that I feel safe. I know places that I feel I belong. I also have a feeling of belonging to collective experiences and people who I've shared those experiences in, with. And maybe that's an area that within my practice I need to focus more on, that actually that sense of belonging comes from the school prom, comes from the school ski trip, comes from those experiences that we had together that fostered a sense of belonging, comes from our celebration assemblies in primary, comes from our uh, class assemblies in primary. All of those things are actually fostering us a sense of belonging, uh, within this definition at least. She goes on to talk about the history of belongingness and she says according to several studies the primary design of the human brain and immune system is to keep both body physiologically and physically safe by driving people to avoid social risks that concern social safety connection and belonging as a result our sense of belonging may be just as vital as food housing and physical protection uh, in the long term for promoting health and survival and that made sense to me as I read it, you know, maybe it made sense to you, but we talk about people forming groups, forming societies, forming towns, cities, countries, and states. This is what humans do. We belong to groups. Admittedly, my fear that there becomes an us and them element to belonging, because, you know, that over history didn't necessarily end well, having a strong sense of belonging. Uh, you know, we, 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 verge into areas of patriotism and and all of those uh, parts of human history that maybe belonging can go wrong. The components of belonging, as far as uh, Kellyanne Allen put it together, and, and this is a meta framework of belonging that, that you know, she's, she's put forward, contained four main components for people to consider to nurture a sense of belonging. And this was about competencies, opportunities, motivations, and perceptions. And this is where we find ourselves at the start and something that I want to reflect on. And so when we go through, we're going to be asking, and, and I ask of you and 
you know, if you're listening live in the Podbean app, you can message uh, by texting in. You can, of course, call in to share your your thoughts and your ideas on this. And of course, you can tweet us at TT Radio Official. Even if you're listening to this back in a week or two, you know, this is a, a long term passion. I think that there is something here I want to work on over a long amount of time around belongingness in my school. Now, the first part of this was about competencies. And I'll give you her definition before we think about what this looks like in schools. But competencies for belonging are a collection of subjective and objective skills and abilities required to connect and experience belonging. Individuals' ability to relate to others, to identify with their cultural heritage, a sense of identity, and connect to a place and nation and they're all facilitated by these skills. Uh, competencies help people ensure that their behaviour conforms to the social norms, aligns with cultural values, and respects the place and the land. Now, when I ask, what does this look like in school? And I have so far failed, really, to find a lot of people with a very clear idea on what they're doing specifically to do this. But if we're talking about young people and the young people that we work with whether they have the abilities and the skills to belong i first think back to the primary level and it is not uncommon in primary schools for people to be doing what we call friendship groups when they are falling out activities to learn to share and play together and i would suggest that it is something that sometimes is missed at secondary level for children who have, for whatever reason, missed out on that social development uh, for a number of reasons. And, and, you know, not just uh, recent ones like COVID, but children who have missed out on opportunities to learn how to share and take turns. And there are schemes available for these uh, that can help develop them and activities. But I would suggest as well that things that most of us understand, because they are mostly things that we either did as young people or we do with our own children about the ability to take turns, the ability to negotiate between people, the ability to show empathy and that we care and have friends. They just often aren't worded in the terms of belonging. They're worded in the terms of friendship or in the term, terms of being polite. Can the young people you're working with do they have the competencies for belonging would be my first question. If they don't, what are we going to do about it? Now, as I've said, there are schemes out there, many, and you know, I don't want to promote any specific ones that can help with these developments of um, an interventionist approach where we can take children out and we can do turn-taking activities. We can do sharing activities. And I would say, you know, more common at primary would be my experience than at secondary that we can do these. The second part that she looks at in these key components of belonging, though, is opportunities to belong. She says the second component of belonging is the availability of groups, individuals, places, times and spaces in which belonging can occur. For example, the capacity to connect with people is meaningless if there's no opportunities to connect. And I think this is something as teachers we can all reflect on that has happened, happened, you know, we noticed it happening in, you know, in those really tough days of lockdown, that we weren't having the opportunities 
to connect. And when we came back, some of those opportunities to connect were limited, either by classroom bubbles or by the way we'd staggered lunch breaks and, and breaks. Did we allow them to happen? Now, I would ask of you, within your school, what opportunities are there for young people to belong? Now, we already know that teams and clubs and those type activities, you know, from the sports psychology of fans, we know that those are opportunities to belong and uh, to develop that sense of belonging and, and the positives that come around it. So does your school have clubs, extracurricular activities? Are they something that is happening that means that a young person can be part of the chess club, part of the coding club? Can they have a little pin on their badge that makes them feel a part of that group? Because I think one of the aspects that we forget as a whole school is we need to foster a sense of belongingness and ideally we want that belongingness to be school located to receive the benefits and we'll see how that looks later on when we get into the nitty-gritty of the research but a sense of belongingness in itself is a positive whether that is that they belong to us or whether we are promoting scout groups outside of school or other activities like that for our young people to go and take part in a sense of belonging in a positive way, because I will say from my own experience that if we are not giving them somewhere to belong and an opportunity to belong, they can find it elsewhere and they can find it as teenagers in dangerous places. And so providing safe opportunities to belong. And when I reflected even more on this, I thought about break times. I thought about play times and those are all things. And are you making the effective use of those to allow opportunities for groups to develop, to form a belonging. But my question, of course, as always, is that competitiveness of us on them and how we mitigate between that? Because we want people to develop belonging. We don't want them to ostracize others by developing that belonging. Of course, we could go further because some schools have even more formal structures. You know, I'm, I am yet to hear of uh, very good practice. I'd love to. Maybe your school does houses really well. Those those systems that for me and my experience of it is generally just used for dividing people up for sports day. Uh, maybe you have a better system of that. Of course, here in Wales, we use it for the Eisteddod as well. Maybe your school are doing that better to perform a cross-year group uh, opportunity for belonging as opposed to just within their year group. And of course, depending on the school, we have form classes and these are all opportunities for us to belong. And are we making the most of them? Does your form class belong? Do they feel a sense of belonging to that form or are we making it so that it's fluid and chopping and changes? And I'm not sure if I you know, know the right answer to this, because sometimes we have to change groups. And if we are going to foster a really strong sense of belonging to my maths class 10-1, what happens if a child has to move? And how do I transfer that? Is that rejection? Is that bad? Now, the final uh, comp uh, the final of the, the um, components of belongingness that Kellyanne Allen put forward was motivations to belong. Now, she suggests that 
the motivation is the third component to achieve belonging. There needs to be a motivation to want to belong. Belonging motivation refers to the underlying drive for humans to be accepted, to belong, and to seek social interactions and connections. As a result, individual characteristics, circumstances play critical roles in our understanding of belonging motivation. And we've had a message in there from Mr. Shu, who says, um, I have to run and we'll catch you up later. Thanks for research. This is great so far. One question. Do teachers have to have a sense that they belong in order for students to do so? Would that help stop teachers quitting? And how would teacher belonging happen? And that is a great question, Mr. Shu. And I'm sure, you know, some of this will play on play on it as we go through the research. I'll bear it in mind as I read through the rest of the show and try and find some answers. But I think maybe we are talking about a whole nother show there on whether us as teachers feel that we belong because certainly uh, within uh, schools I've worked in there have been schools where I felt I belong and I was proud to wear those school shirts and there were schools where I didn't feel I belong and I didn't last long so certainly as adults we know that a sense of belonging happens. Um, she goes on to talk about perceptions of belonging so we've talked about our competencies for belonging do they have the actual skills have we given them have we taught them the actual skills of how to relate to others make friends take turns all of those things that it takes to develop a sense of belonging uh, have we given them throughout our school day opportunities to belong are we giving them the opportunities to belong through clubs through houses through um our form groups, through whatever it is, through celebration assemblies, opportunities to belong? Do they have the motivations to belong? And that, as far as this suggests, is inherent, but also I think they need to see the benefit of belonging themselves because it is very easy and certainly, you know, suggested last week on our show about teenagers and behaviour, um, suggested that teenagers actually want to you know, feel like the outsider at sometimes. Well, those motivations to belong, what are the benefits of them for belonging? Are they front and centre? What is the benefit of being in a house at your secondary school? Or does it just mean that you have to wear a blue colour on sports day? Is that it? How are you signalling that to your young people? And that feeds into, as I say, this final one, perceptions of belonging. And these perceptions include a person's subjective feelings and cognitions about experiences of belonging. And so what they've gone through before. Now, a young an individual may have abilities, opportunities to drive to belong, yet feel like belonging needs haven't been met. Their past experiences and events might influence that perception, their self-confidence and their desire for connection. You know, whether consciously or unconsciously, most people assess whether they belong or fit with others around them all the time. So the perception of belonging, what does it look like for them to belong? Do they want to belong? And I would frame this, you know, at your school, is there talk of the classic teacher's pet, the goody goodies? Is that how people are framing it? Because if they are, I'd say, you know, is there a perceptions of belonging problem at your school that is a barrier to everyone? else engaging in that has they created in that sense in their perceptions and us and them that they don't want to be with us 
They'd rather be them. They'd rather be on the outside because what they're seeing, their perceptions of what it's like to belong, is not a positive. Those are all questions for you. Now, as I say, we need to, before we move on, say a quick thank to some people who help us out. And that's John Cat, uh, the publishers of wonderful books. And we just want to hear a little bit from them and why they fill my bookshelf here at home. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Now tonight on the show, we're talking about belonging. What does it mean to belong at school? What are the benefits of belonging and how to uh, develop a sense of belonging in our schools? Now if you missed the first part of the show, and of course you can always listen back uh, at ttradio.org slash listen back or on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, whatever your choice of those things is, you can listen back to the start of the show. But we were just talking and about some of the questions around what is belonging, what does it mean to us, and what does it look like in schools? We talked a little bit about the psychology of it, where that comes from, and an idea for breaking it down into how those different things uh, happen for us. Now, we're going to go straight back into it, talking a little more psychology before we move on to what that looks like for school belonging. And I wanted to draw your attention to uh, an article from Psychology Today, and this by um, called The Sense of Be- You Belong Somewhere. Uh, and we'll go, it's from December 2021. So it starts off, for a fundamental psychological need, belonging is full of paradoxes. We search for it everywhere, in the arms of kin, on familiar streets, among friends with similar beliefs. Yet there it is, in solitude, in literature, among magnificent trees. Belonging anchors our hearts to our nests, yet it goes, unfastening our wings and setting us free on our quests. And and, and that for me is a lovely description to start us off there. And this paradox, as I said earlier, that my senses of belonging aren't to people. My senses of belonging are to places and maybe it is entirely subjective. And then if I have a cohort of young people, how do I how do I meet all of those needs? The article goes on to talk about uh, that in psychology, belonging is defined as a subjective feeling that one is an integral part of the surrounding systems, including family, friends, work, school, cultural groups and physical places that's from Haggerty et al 1992 now I love that as a description because we talked earlier about belonging as opposed to fitting in belonging being about celebrating the uniqueness of the individual and it's something that I hadn't thought about maybe you hadn't you know 
text in, let me know. Do you think of belonging as being unique and how you fit in and what you bring and that you are an integral part to that system? Or do you see it as fitting in and that you are, you know, one of those many ants on the anthill working, uh, working away, but all the same? And which model of schooling are we thinking about then? Are we thinking about them differently? Another lovely quote within this is a quote on belonging from the poet John Donoghue, which goes, uh, Belonging suggests warmth understanding and embrace and I love that as a quote on belonging I'm not sure how I'd find it in school but it is something that I'd maybe have on the wall when our young people come to us do they feel a sense of warmth of understanding of embrace when we get onto the research actually John Hattie codifies those a little bit for us to really explain what that sense of warmth understanding and embrace could look like for a teacher to explain to their young people. Louise Bershon, a therapist and author of Belonging Everywhere and Nowhere, um, compares it to showing others your authentic self and getting a thumbs up. Now this, of all of the quotes within that article, and there were many and we've looked through them already, is one of my favourites. Do our young people when they come to school, can they be their authentic self? Do we give them the opportunities? Do we give them the security when they come in? Does our school suggest to them that they can be their authentic self? And we give them a thumbs up that that is okay. Those are wonderful questions to me from a slightly uh, side perspective on what belonging means and how we might move it into school. Now, as I say, we need to look at what it goes into school. And I'm going to draw on something here from the University of Exeter's Open Research Repository. It's by Sue Roffey, Christopher Boyle, and again, Kelly Allen, who we heard from earlier, as I say, an important name within this area of belonging. And if you want to look into this further, I'd say, you know, Google that name and uh, belonging, and you'll find a lot of really interesting articles there where you can read them fully for yourself. But I'll paraphrase for now. Why are students longing to belong at school. They state that school belonging is commonly defined as the extent to which students feel personally accepted, respected, included, supported by others within their school environment. They draw that from Goodenow and Grady 1993. It's been found to be a predictor for a range of broad academic, psychological and physical health benefits for young people. A sense of school belonging can not only buffer the effects of student anxiety and depression, but also boost academic engagement and and motivation. It's been related to a myriad of further beneficial outcomes, including resilience, gratitude, sleep, self-esteem. So school belonging, specifically that we're on to now, has been shown to decrease incidence of factors that are not conducive to education, such as bullying, misconduct, school dropout and truancy. And it doesn't take much to increase a sense of belonging. Now, these are all wonderful news for us as educators, and they make logical sense. If you feel like you are belonging to the group, then incidents of bullying would go down. If you feel a sense of belonging to the school, 
the misconduct within that school would go out. And particularly for me, you know, around the word of truancy, which is not something that I'm a favor a fan of that the word in that sense, but certainly absenteeism, if you feel like you belong there, then certainly our attendance rates hopefully would go up. And if we're looking for a way to address attendance, as many of us are at the moment, then maybe belonging is somewhere we should look. They go on to suggest that there's a, a plethora of brief interventions that demonstrate that with very little cost and effort, the issue can be effectively addressed. That sounds, again, positive to me. I haven't heard them from teachers in the classroom. We'll get on to some of the things that do work or apparently work later on, but they don't, to me, sound like interventions yet. I've heard of a couple, but what are you doing at school? Message us at TT Radio Official or drop a message in the chat here on Podbean Live to let me know what what actual kind of interventions I'm talking broader than school uniform here I'm, uh, you know that's too broad for me I'm talking specifically you know uh, you know like a full prevention taking children out uh, what are these things that people are doing to increase a sense of belonging you know or am I looking in the wrong places am I looking at this wrong is this something that we've all been doing the whole time they suggest that there's a range of factors that strongly predict connectedness with teacher support and social emotional competencies taking a strong lead in fostering this for young people. That's Alan et al. 2018. Here we are then. Teacher support being a leading factor in young people's sense of belonging at schools. What is it that us teachers can do? How do we develop then? If we are in control here, it is up to us to develop that sense of belonging. What are those things that we can do? We will get there, but we're not there yet. The other aspect they pull on is those social and emotional competencies. We talked earlier about competencies to belong. You know, have we taught our young people? Do they have the skills to take turns? If we're talking about ability to make friends, ability to fit in with a group, have we taught them those skills? And maybe there will be people in the chat and feel free to challenge me on that, but feel that that is not school's place to teach those. It's, you know, uh, parents' place or family's place to teach children how to take turns or how to be polite to each other, how to say no, how to invite others into a game, all of those things. Certainly, though, my experience in primary is it's something that happens on the playground every day. But are we targeting it? Are we thinking about it? Are we being deliberate about it with a sense that this is something that will not just mean that we've got less arguments, but actually improve all of those other areas uh, that it suggests, you know, buffering the effects of anxiety, boosting academic engagement, improving their sleep even. You know, if, 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 if we have a thoughtfulness about it, can we, can we increase those? Can we change them? They finish off by talking about loneliness and they say loneliness has been brought to the fore recently, both in the UK and elsewhere, held it as a, you know, a burgeoning issue for both teenagers and elderly that requires a kind of critical attention. We know why. Had those years. Given compelling research demonstrating the moderating power, a sense of school belonging for loneliness, should schools and society at large be making a concerted and targeted uh, effort to address the loneliness epidemic in teenagers 
through school belonging intervention. That's where they leave us. A question of should. I would argue, and you know, hopefully you've been on this journey with me, as we, you know, we went from the benefits of being a fan of a sport to the the need, the psychological need for human beings to belong somewhere, to the opportunity that we have as schools. We have a lot of young people. We have them all together for an amount of time. Are we providing opportunities for belonging and for them to use those skills? Now, in a second, we're going to pop to the news. But before we do, you know, I wanted to share with you just a few thoughts here from a analysis uh, research paper Holly Craggs and Catherine Kelly, 2018, about adolescence experiences of school belonging. And this is a qualitative metasynthesis. Um, they talk about how belonging is complex and multifaceted. You know, we've been there, we understand. Um, they talk about the psychological literature over a period of decades now, starting with Maslow, you know, uh, 1943, positions belongingness as a key psychological need on that famous triangle, claiming that individuals whose belonging and love needs are unmet, you know, will hunger for affection. Belongingness for Maslow being a, a motivational force that impacts directly on their social behaviour. We also know from Bowlby's attachment theory that they consider it a, a fundamental to emotional well-being and that was 1969 emphasizing the importance of responsive relationships between children and key adults as determining factors and we've heard that many times now the key adults uh, being a key part in us fostering belonging what can teachers do well we go so far as to find that even in 1995, we're still talking, Baumeister and Leary, and they talk about a focus on the relational aspect of belonging, defined as a hypothesized need to form and maintain strong, stable interpersonal relationships. And they conclude that belongingness is a need as opposed to merely a want. Now, if we are taking this for granted, you know, this is something, you know, the research has stacked up for us over many decades that, that belonging is something we want for our young people. And opportunity, I would say we have the schools, you know, whether or not when we go through it, we are making enough of those opportunities, you know, is another question. But the Centre for D um, Disease Control, in their review in 2009, concluded four factors that could increase school connectedness. And we're going to flick back between these. The first one was adult support. School staff can dedicate their time, interest and attention to emotionally support students. What does this look like in school? Doug? What does that mean? And I would argue do we have the time? I know of many secondary schools where form time is now filled with uh, academic or pastoral uh, lessons, for want of a better word, rather than one-to-one -one time where, you know, we are dedicating time to be interested, to give young people our attention, to show uh, that we are there for them. Well, as I say, 
This suggests that we need to make more of that. And are we missing a trick? Are we missing an opportunity there if we are not providing adult support through our school staff or, you know, making the young people do it, Um, making the young people feel it, sorry, that they are supported. The second one that they come through as the four factors is belonging to a positive peer group. A stable network of peers can improve student perceptions of school. Now there are, um, at primary certainly, uh, things that people do to support, you know, to help friendship groups build. I would say that my experience of those is somewhat uh, surface level. You know, are we getting deep enough? And and for me, are we providing the skills for those to work? Because it's fine for us to get a group together, but if they lack the skills that we talked about earlier to be able to uh, form a sense of belonging, then those networks aren't going to stay stable and aren't going to improve our students' perceptions of schools. But I think it is a, you know, a very common thing that we would all uh, collectively say that actually, do you know what, having a group of friends there, a positive group of friends there, uh, improves your perception of schools. And maybe some young people, I would argue, are only coming to school to see their friends. Um, the third one that they talk about is a commitment to education. Now, this one, I think, is something where schools do well, uh, in my experience. You know, uh, believing that school is an import is important to their future and perceiving that the adults in school are invested in their education, you know, that they are getting students to engage with their own learning and and be involved. Now, maybe I'm wrong and feel free to shoot me down, you know, in the comments, in the tweets, if I am wrong about this. But I think that most young people that I meet know that teachers are committed to their education. There are some who feel that teachers aren't listening to them or feel maybe that teachers, you know, don't get them. But I would argue that that comes from a different place. That comes from a place of adult support rather than a commitment to education. The final one that they give, and before we get to the news, is school environment. The physical environment and the psychosocial climate can set the stage for positive student perceptions of school. When you walk into your school, Do your young people feel that it is for them? And I've heard this described as, you know, uh, simply as the the pictures on the walls, the the names in the textbooks, are they represented there? Do we have good representation of all our young people within our schools? And even to the extreme of, you know, consider yourself uh, a young person who is, has a disability, and, and they arrive at your school and they're not able to access all the facilities. What does that say to them about whether they belong there? You know, do they hear their home language spoken there? Do they see it within displays? Do they see people like them when they arrive at your school? And if not, what does that say about your school and how inclusive it is and whether you can develop that sense of belonging? I also think there's elements there about design and some of those things as teachers we can't do but certainly through our displays through our choice of resources we can change the school environment to better represent our children and to better uh, support their sense of belonging now their conclusion uh, was that the meta synthesis of all of that information produced 
a high order concept of feeling safe to be yourself and through relationships with others and the school setting. And that I think is where we leave it now. When we talk about belonging and when we look back on this is what I say belonging. I'm asking about are young people feeling safe to be themselves in and through relationships with others in the school setting? Now we're going to pop to the news, but when we come back, we're going to hear from that big, big research article by John Hattie, that review, meta review of uh, all of the information so far that we know on belonging through educational research. And we'll pull out all his key findings, the things that we should be doing as educators. So if you've got thoughts on it, share them with us now and we'll see you just on the other side of this news. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The BBC has relaunched the 500 Words Writing Competition. The competition was first launched on Radio 2 in 2011 by its then Breakfast Show presenter, Chris Evans. The UK-wide contest continued until 2020 with Evans' successor Zoe Ball. It will return in September and will again be backed by Queen Consort Camilla. It will also be supported by Sir Lenny Henry. The announcement was made on Thursday the 1st of March, World Book Day, on BBC One's Breakfast News programme. BBC Breakfast presenter John Kay said, We are delighted to be championing 500 words and look forward to stellar entries from talented, aspiring young writers. Up until 2020, the competition had received more than one million stories, all written by children and adding up to more than 440 million words. Judges on this year's panel will include teachers and librarians, as well as best-selling authors, which will include former children's laureate Mallory Blackman and Charlie Higson, author of five of the Young Bond novels. The grand final will feature 50 of the best entries from two different age categories and it will take place on World Book Day 2024. WhatsApp messages sent by government ministers and civil servants during the height of the pandemic have been causing a stir in many circles since the Telegraph published its series of stories giving insight into a usually private world. Several teaching unions hit out at what was described as contemptible comments in the WhatsApps by former Education Secretary Sir Gavin Williamson. In the messages, Williamson appeared to suggest that staff were looking for an excuse not to work during the pandemic. There were also comments made by former Health Secretary Matt Hancock, who referred to teaching unions as a bunch of absolute arses. Sir Gavin was seen to reply, they really, really do just hate work. In a perhaps ill-advised series of tweets this week, Sir Gavin Williamson attempted first an apology, saying the comments were aimed at some unions and that he had the utmost respect for teachers. But many of those replying pointed out that unions are made up of teachers and that cannot be separated. They and union leaders went on to point out that teachers worked throughout the pandemic. 
National Education Union Joint General Secretary Mary Bowstead went on to say that she hoped that the present Education Secretary Gillian Keegan did not share the contemptuous attitude whilst the current pay dispute continues. Whilst the pay disputes continue in England, they are possibly just getting started in the Channel Island of Guernsey. NESUWT leaders on the island say that local members have voted overwhelmingly in favour of industrial action over pay and workload. According to a report in Guernsey Press, strike action was backed by 9 out of 10 voters who took part in the ballot. 57% of members voted. Teachers in Guernsey have been offered a three-year deal with a 5% increase in 2022, a 7% increase in 2023 and an increase of 1% below inflation in 2024. Meanwhile, in Scotland, the EIS union has suspended all planned strike action after a new pay deal was offered. The 12.3% increase on the current pay rate has been welcomed by EIS leaders, who are said to be recommending its members accept the offer. The union will ballot its members on the deal, which would see teacher pay rise by £5,200 in April. Scotland's Education Secretary has welcomed the suspensions of strike action, but the NESUWT's General Secretary, Dr Patrick Roach, said the offer was paltry, and whilst it would ballot members, its campaign of strike action and action short of strikes would continue. Finally, while strike action causes disruption in schools, the Eastern Daily Press reports that some families have opted for family days out to local tourist attractions. Many of the attractions have created special offers and promotions to make the most of possible extra visitors on planned strike days. Banham Zoo and Africa Alive offered free entry for up to three children per paying adult. A spokesperson for the attraction said they hoped to provide an educational experience for children to learn about the planet and the environment. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to talk about tech for well-being. We all have tech all around us, but what do you do to strike a work-life balance when technology makes you available 24-7? During the pandemic, parents having the ability to directly message or email teachers increased, and for good reason. The issue now is some schools have continued to maintain this communication. Here are a couple of ideas to let tech make your communication a little easier. First, you need to read your school's policy on replying to messages. This will outline what you're expected to do. A lot of systems have an auto response or an out of office reply. When you're taking a break, switching this on can send an automated message to let people know you will respond in a timely manner. Here is where you could quote the school's policy. Do not disturb is another setting you could use to stop devices notifying you between set times that you decide. You can also set this so certain people like family and friends can still alert you. Delayed response is a setting in a lot of email applications. If you want to create emails at unsociable times, you can set them to send at specific times, allowing you to work when you like, but not go against any timing set out in school policy. Why not tell us what you do with tech for your well-being at TT Radio Official? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app 
and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boradapab Kroisoi Abatawi. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, on Teachers Talk Radio. Now, if you're just joining us, we have been talking this evening about belonging. What does it mean to belong at school? What are the benefits of belonging for our young people? And how do we develop a sense of belonging in our schools? If you want to catch the first offs, of course, you can find it at ttradio.org slash listen back, or you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, whatever your choice of podcast streaming platform is. And you can, of course, listen to the start of this show and catch up. But for those of you, who want to join us live, and we'd love to hear your comments as they come in. I'm going to give you a brief whistle-stop of some of the things we've discussed. We've talked about some of the theory. I'll give you a quote from exploringyourmind.com, social identity, why we feel the need to belong. They talk about social identity and the degree to which we identify with a certain group. It's a measure of how important the group is to us. And the more we identify with the group, the more the group will define us personally. Now, the norms and values of the group are usually shared by all of its members, and the more important the group members consider themselves, the more they will respect each other and themselves. Now, there's a powerful message in that for us as teachers, as uh, those doing pastoral work as well, around belonging and social norms and values, and how we get that uh, positive uh, interactions across our setting as a whole and if we are going to use belonging as a tool for that there's something in social theory that backs up what we're looking for we can go on as well when we talked about how to create it and why to create it now we can talk about uh, tracy bowers work from 2021 in an article of forbes and she quoted uh, Ginny stewart a senior consultant uh, with the neuroleadership institute about being surrounded by other human beings doesn't guarantee us a sense of belonging. Belonging actually has to do with the identification as a member of the group and the higher quality interactions which come from that. It's the interactions over the time which are supportive of us as full and authentic human beings. We've talked about how to create belonging uh, because it's so important and about that opportunity to embrace groups, whether they be through sports clubs, whether they be through after school clubs such as chess club or coding, whether uh, they be uh, opportunities of break time, informed time, all of those things that we can do. We've also talked about my concern coming into this was that opportunities to be authentic. Remember, according to some experts, trust is built when you are authentic, empathetic and perceived as perceived as competent. And you can create the conditions for this when you're open and vulnerable, as well as being empathetic towards each other. My concern from the right at the start of this, when talking about the relationship between sensitive belonging and sports with sports metaphors, as we often do, is whether a sense of belonging is competitive in its nature, that us and them that defines the social theory of belonging, you know, is that a negative for us at schools? Do we have to be against? Do we have to have that American movie version of school pep rallies where we are burning the other team's mascot? Is that what we want from education? Is that what we want from the classrooms? And what we're talking about? Apparently not. 
Apparently, uh, there is a far more inclusive version of belonging that we should be looking for, where it is about being authentic and seeing those differences and celebrating those differences. And I think that is more our UK approach to it. Of course, you know, signalling acceptance we've talked about as well in our displays. Make it more than just a day or a week or a month where we are showing that we accept people and they are represented within our school community, in our displays, in our examples, in our textbooks and in our language and the way we talk. Now, I promised it at the start of the show and we are on to it now. The big hitter when it comes to belonging is the meta-analysis from Kelly Allen, Margaret Kern, Diane uh, Vela Broderick, of course Lee Walters and John Hattie, a name that we're all familiar with probably in education when it comes to research, their meta-analysis about what schools need to know about fostering school belonging. Now I'll paraphrase as much as I can and save you the, the, the chance to read it, but remember those comments we've had some already uh, about what you think about belonging what you are doing in your school to foster belonging and are you thinking about it in the ways that they're describing because they give us some really sound examples from their meta-analysis now of course they start off with saying that belonging is an essential part of psychological functioning and we've seen that across all the articles we've talked about tonight and the examples they say it's most consistently defined as the extent to which students feel personally accepted, respected, included and supported by others in the school environment. And again, they say schools offer a unique opportunities to improve belonging of school aged children. They, however, say that research on belonging has been fragmented, diluted, inconsistency in terminology. And they also suggested that there's a gap between our understanding of the importance of this construct and the research about how it's transferred into day-to-day -day practice within schools. And that's wonderful news for us because it means that somewhere near the end of this, they're gonna give us examples. And I love a research uh, paper that gives me some things I can take away. They do break it down to some things that we've talked about, but um, probably we think about when we think about belonging and those 10 themes were about academic motivation emotional stability personal characteristics parent support peer support teacher support gender race and ethnicity extracurricular activities and of course that key for me with my geographical sense of belonging that i feel and we've discussed is environmental belonging to the school itself and the school safety in the building they highlighted for us through this, and this is one of those things that we keep coming back to, that teacher support and personal, personal characteristics were the strongest predictor of school belonging. They did also suggest that the results varied with geographic location. Interestingly, they found that it was a generally stronger effect in rural rather than urban locations. I'd love to unpick that. Why do you think that the sense of belonging is more important for school if you are in a rural location. It's a really interesting part that they never answer. They said that they found evidence that indicates correlated with less absenteeism, better school completion, less truancy, and less school misconduct. Now those are all wonderful things that aims that we should be looking for, uh, for ourselves, for our young people. And they suggest through this meta-analysis that these are things that improving a sense of belonging will do for us.
They said it was inversely related, so more belonging, less of these incidents of fighting, of bullying, of vandalism, of disruptive behaviour, emotional distress, risk-taking behaviours such as substance and tobacco misuse, and early sexualization. Now, we saw earlier in, in, in some of that research around the social theory of belonging that it was a, a moderator of um, risky behaviours. And we've heard that in phrases when we hear people talk about the culture in school needing to be stronger than the culture outside the school gate. This is what we're describing. This opportunity for building a sense of belonging that overpowers uh, teenage dangerous behaviours. And also, of course, you know, I don't think anyone could argue, although feel, feel free to argue with me if you want, that if you feel you belong somewhere, you are less likely to vandalise it. I think there's there's things in there, some of those things that maybe are obvious to us, but the, but the research really does back it up. Um, we obviously talk about uh, adolescence being a period of identity formation. We talked about that last week, about actually it's a tricky time for, for teenagers between childhood and adulthood, and their identity uh, formation at the time is a feature of their development and how we can stabilize that for them by giving them a sense of belonging and it um, facilitates their transition into adulthood and it's an important in adolescence they suggest where there's a disconnection from school from peers um, all of those things going on teenagers being teenagers and that's when we need to get them and so whilst I've said earlier on in this that the examples we've heard from teachers are often tended towards the primary. It seems from this research then that key stage three is where we should be putting in our effort. What are you doing at key stage three to promote a sense of belonging, to help moderate those behaviours that are a natural part of going through your teenage years? They do unpick some of the um, negatives of not belonging and the concern they suggest that the PISA demonstrated that across uh, 42 countries, across uh, over 8,000 schools, um, that student disaffection with school ranged from 17 to 40%. On average, one in four adolescents uh, were categorised as having low feelings of belongingness. About one in five reported uh, low levels of academic engagement. That to me suggests that, you know, within this evidence, there is somewhere for us to go, something for us to improve. And as I said, we will get onto those examples that they give. They say it's not simply a phenomenon that belongs to the individual, of course. You know, it affects their peers, their families, their teachers, the microsystem. It affects the school's organisation, the mesosystem, and they link it across micro multiple of these micro and meso systems uh, into the broader policies in the area as well. So let's run through some of those things uh, that improve and where we can unpick them if we're going to take away from this. They say micro factors, qualities such as teacher supportiveness, caring, presence, good friends, engagement in academic progress, all of those are things that foster a sense of belonging. Do we have supportive teachers? Do we have good friends? And are we engaged in academic process? Are those things that your young people do? Those are the things that they say we should do through this meta-analysis. They talk about parent support. 
and they refer to the ability of parents and other caregivers to provide academic support as well as social support and there being open communication and supportive behaviour, including the ability to show and share compassion and those parental relationships forming the first support of the child and how that transfers to the wider groups as they go through. How well are our adults supporting our young people in their education and what is your school doing to do it? That's the question from that section. Their next point, they talk about through adolescence, young people increasingly looking to their peers for exception, acceptance and connection. Peer support refers to trust and closeness with friends and peers. Unsupportive peers can be a source of stress and social anxiety. It's very, very common primary schools to see friendship groups and work on being a good friend is far less so to see what it means to be a good friend in secondary school I would say please correct me if I'm wrong if that's the case how are we supporting our young people to be positive friends and peers to each other so we've talked about our teachers our friendship groups are parents being engaged in academic process? And the final one that they give from those microfactors goes back again to teacher support and teachers who promote mutual respect, care, encouragement, friendliness, fairness, and autonomy. And they say it's present when teachers are perceived as likable, when praise their good behavior and work and are available for personal and academic support. They say supportive teachers expect students to do their best and scaffolding to help students achieve. This for me is one of the most misread parts of this report because we're not talking about overly caring, mothering. I'm gonna read that final sentence for us again, just so we can reflect on it. Supportive teachers expect students to do their best and they scaffold learning to help the students achieve again and again and in the earlier parts we talked about it is not the friendship that they require it is the support and care for their education we're talking about teacher support and those are entirely different things now they do give a little guide to some of the meso level factors some of those bigger things they talk about schools creating a climate that may be more or less supportive to student belonging they say how this relates to the number of group memberships and the number of extracurricular activities and suggest that more extracurricular activities is not necessarily a good thing. It's the quality of those interactions. And are we overdoing it? You know, are we expecting our young people to go to five different clubs over five different nights? You know, would one really quality club do that? There's a question there around our school organisation. And if we are, you know, putting pressure in the wrong point places uh, they do suggest and this is the, the the thing for me where you know I think people are putting in a lot of time and effort uh, they suggest that little is understood about the environmental features at the broad school level around belonging so if you are looking to develop belonging and you are doing it through spending a large amount of money on uh, buildings you know from the broken windows theory from Chicago in the 70s that you know having a good standard of facilities is important but this suggests that there's not much known about how they actually impact on belonging beyond that they do suggest that 
the school structures and policies impact on a sense of fairness though and when it comes to your implementation of your school policies in particular around behavior is it perceived as fair not whether it's harsh not whether it's easy is it fair seems to be the factor that comes back mostly when regards to belonging to your school and that for me i can reflect why schools who do behave you well can have such different approaches whether you be right down the the the, the end of that 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 warm strict or at the far other end i think if you are doing it well and you are fair this would back up and and that's my own opinion if you disagree with me by all means comment in and, and let us know um you can find us at tt radio official or of course if you're listening live you can tweet in as we go you can text us um but for me i think you know fairness over uh, uh anything else when it comes to those behavior policies and this research suggests it as well they also go on to give us uh, the suggestion that um, negative interactions with parents or peers can be intervened by teachers while the family may be the first unit the children belong to students often spend more time at their school and this is where it comes back for us to that is the culture inside your school bigger stronger than the culture outside the school game and this is a really positive message for us from all the things we've heard from all of those things we we can do those steps we can take from this research this meta-analysis of research um, that we have the power to improve the sense of belonging and improve academic outcomes psychological outcomes and physiological outcomes for our young people by focusing on this sense of belonging now we are coming to the end of the show but before we do i wanted to loop all the way back to my four questions from the start and this was from the the framework that was put together by kelly allen also one of the researchers on this meta-analysis um, about what we need to be thinking about the components of belongingness and i asked the question at the start what are you doing to develop competencies opportunities motivations and perceptions of young people and as we go you know as, as we take away and this will be food for thought for me as well so feel free to tweet me uh, at lesson copy if you want to share what you're doing on it i think there is a lot of work to be done uh, john hattie suggests that in his meta-analysis there isn't enough practical tips for teachers on this topic what are we doing for competencies for belonging how are you developing the skills needed to relate to others to identify with their cultural heritage establish a sense of identity to connect to their place and their nation what skills are you using particularly at secondary level i'd love to hear that because i think at primary we do a lot of work on how to relate to others particularly in the playground of course opportunities to belong and i have heard some wonderful examples of things that people are doing but what opportunities are you at your school providing when i go back into school i will be thinking you know where are the chances for them to feel belonging and develop belonging whether it be at break times whether it be in after school clubs 
but for me as well, is there chance in lesson to develop that sense of belonging? Of course, we talked about motivations to belong and where that comes from from them. Do they see that there is a positive benefit in what we are selling? You know, we're putting out there, you should belong with us. Do they see it? Do they see it as a positive? Where does that come from? And of perceptions of belonging as well, particularly important for teenagers um, as they go through those formative years, transitioning from young person to, to adult and their perceptions of belonging change and which groups they want to belong to. All of those things incredibly important for us. Um, I will leave you with a little bit more from Psychological Today and this bit through that sense of belonging and we have talked a lot about interpersonal belonging as we go but there is evidence in this article called The Sense You Belong Somewhere that really touched me as a geographer as someone who feels belonging to place that we can develop a sense of belonging and a poignant relationship with a place, a deep-rooted feeling that we belong somewhere and we can reflect on that beyond the people who are there. They also suggest that there is a, a way that we can belong through nature a relationship that plays a vital role in our well-being and satisfies some of our fundamental needs for meaning, purpose, connection, a pathway to belonging through nature. The quote from Ryan Lumber at the Montford University is, as social creatures, we've evolved in concert with nature for millions of years. Our propensity to engage with life and form social bonds is not restricted to people. Nature is one such entity we can do it with. At the heart of nature connectedness lies a meaningful relationship with nature. It's a thing that we are not separate from nature. Instead, we're part of a wider natural community and thus connected to something much bigger than ourselves. And that's where the magic happens. So I'll leave you with this. Whether you are going back to school and looking for your young people to feel connected with nature, to feel a sense of belonging to their school team, to their chess club, to their form, to their friend group, whatever it is you're looking for. How are you going to develop a connection for our young people that they feel belonging to something much bigger than themselves? That's all we've got time for here on Teachers Talk Radio uh, Twilight Show tonight. You can, of course, catch up with our other shows. In fact, if you're listening live, you can head over to Twitter, where our live space will be starting very, very shortly. If not, it's Nostar from here in Swansea. Good night. We'll see you next time on the Twilight Show. And, of course, if you want to catch up any of our shows on whatever topic, go to ttradio.org slash listen back, type in your keywords into that search bar, and of over a thousand episodes there, you'll be able to find something, I'm sure. Good night, tune in, talk it out, and nostar. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org.
We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.